Hello and welcome back to 66 Deep on this side of 2022. We hope you've enjoyed your Christmas holidays and also celebrated the entrance of the new year. Uh, we are kicking off this year with a interesting topic um, in a slightly different format in front of a live audience um, revolving around the subject of love and submission the challenging responsibilities for men and women it does take an interesting turn and i'm pretty sure we'll be back to this topic as we continue to try and unpack it further but uh, without any further ado let's jump right in and see how things go so thank you for that um Sorry, just trying to make sure that the right people are muted just <laughs> um i do want to thank everyone that's come on um thus far since eight o'clock um yeah thank you for joining us because we're going to be looking into a topic that is in our day and age um one of contention um it is a twofold um discussion or a study i should say um that are connected um, once we begin to break open scriptures and look um, into the context of everything. But as you've seen in the title, um, it is surrounding love and submission, but it's also the, the challenging responsibilities that are bestowed to us as men and women, both as um, married couples, but also within the dynamics of uh, the church environment um i think it might be easier for us to set the groundwork with um god's design for marriage first which i think should help with the trajectory moving on to the um the next topic uh, so with regards to looking at how we work things out as christian husbands and wives um, I think there are a few places where you could um, sink your roots um, to start this really, but I have Ephesians 4 down on here because it uh, was one that I started with personally. Essentially, this is where it says, husbands love your wives as Christ. Oh, it's Ephesians 5, sorry, not Ephesians 4. Goodness me, that makes sense. Uh, I'll read the whole thing because it might help give greater context rather than proof texting. Uh, so yeah, Ephesians 5, uh, I'll be reading from the ESV version. Um, it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let, not, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness covetous 
that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to God. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by light, by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church for his body, uh, sorry, his body, and himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by walking uh, by washing of water with the word so that he might be present he might that, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that he might be that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one has ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as christ does the church because we are members of his body therefore a man shall leave his mother, father and wife uh, father and mother sorry <laughs> and hold up fast to his wife the two shall become one flesh this mystery is profound and i am saying that it refers to christ and the church However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay. So, um, I think it was last month in December, um, we were working, walking through Ephesians in our Sunday school, um, especially with um, with me, Emily, and and Jessica, 
we're walking through this and I guess everybody pretty much agrees with everything from verse one to verse 21. And then the contention starts with verse 22. <laughs> um, but the reason why I mention this is, I guess it's something that, um, like we said before, everybody joined, it's one of those, this core things that, um, we as men and women kind of struggle with. I know that certainly growing up, um, like I mentioned to the guys before everyone came that, um, there is this general notion that if you, uh, when husbands read this with them uh, amongst themselves, they understand the, the standards very high when it comes to, um, loving their wives as much as Christ loves the church, especially in that sacrificial way. But then also there's that contention where, um, Paul addresses wives to, um, submit to their husbands. Cause like I said, also, um, growing up in Gloucester, Gloucester, growing up in George street in Birmingham. Um, I remember there was one Sunday where this was being preached on, uh, they got through the, you know, wives, you, you know, husbands, you should love your wives as Christ loves the church. That was widely accepted. Everyone clapping, popping champagne and all that sort of stuff in that sort of celebratory mode when it came to, um, made the, the, the men feel uneasy because it's like, well, obviously I'm, I'm not doing good enough and now I'm going to be under the magnifying glass and we're going to try and do better. But then obviously we moved on to wives, you should submit to your, um, submit to your husbands the celebrating stopped and the pitchforks came out. So clearly something that Paul has said here certainly um, struck a chord on, on both sides. Um, I don't know if anybody immediately has anything they want to do to, to kind of expand on that before we begin to unpack it even further. Again, Brother Reese, um, <clears throat> I, I, not even answering the question directly, but in an indirect way, and sometimes the indirect way says a lot, a lot more than the direct. Um, Jesus said something to um, his disciples. He said, many of you shall be offended because of me. And he goes on in another place and he said, um, whosoever is offended because of me, I, I will not confess him before. I will also be offended by him and I will not confess him before, before my father and his holy angel, angels. Now, um, in this world, what could make us, what's the word offended? It's almost like you're in, it's an, ins, you're in, you feel insulted. Um, something insults you, you're offended. So I, so I, so I say, I, so somebody tell me that I should bow down and kiss their feet. I'm offended. <laughs> you know, I'm offended because of the request that they're putting on me. It's out of my character. It's out of my nature. You know, for them to tell me that I should, I should, I should do that. So Jesus is actually telling the Christian folks in this world, you're going to be. If, if, I'm asking you to do things which is so contrary to the world, 
to the system, the philosophies in the world that many of you are going to be offended, you know, and um, and so and so, um, you know, the, the the doctrines of God in heaven there are no offense. On the earth they are because we have we we live by different. We have been groomed by different principles and different understanding, different different um, um, cultural experiences and whatever. And those have molded us and they have become ingrained. They become our shrine. And if we have been asked to do anything that's outside of those parameters, we're offended. We're offended by the Muslim. The Muslims offended by us, you know, um, you know and, and things like that. Jews are offended by us, uh, you know, probably we're offended by some things that Jews will do as well because it's outside of our experience, you know. Um, and so, so, so the word of God, the word of God and the, the doctrine and principles and of God, they are an offense. To, 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 to people, you know, and that's what Jesus said, you know, the, the scripture said that um, Christ is an offense to the Jews, he's a stumbling block to them, they can't come to, and it's, they can't come to grips with him because a man making himself God, that is revolt, that is revolting, that is, that is, that is, that is, um, that is blasphemous for a man to make himself God, they're offended at that, as a matter of fact, one time the disciples said to Jesus, master, do you know that you offended them, <laughs> you know, so I'm just making that point, you know, that um, the word of God is an offense to us, because it's asking us to come into a zone that we are not, we, that is we, that is not our normal, benevolent way of seeing the world and thinking, and that's why our journey, our becoming like Christ, is impossible outside of the schooling and the unctioning of the Holy Spirit, who helps us to to assimilate and to become unto that measure and the statue and the fullness of Christ to a perfect man, where we see the world like God, think like God, we act like God, you know? And so, so, so without answering the question, but, but, but uh, I gotta keep on coming back with those fundamental things. So sometimes the answer is not even in, the answer for our question is not even in the direct question that we ask. It's in the whole Bible and putting the whole scripture together and understanding what the scripture is about in the first place. And the answers, the answers just come out for everything without, without even dealing with the particular, the particular question at hand. But, but that is where understanding and maturity. So if we start these discussions without the level of understanding, zilch, we will be confused, we will not accept it, we'll still rebel against it, we'll still not accept nothing that the, the Bible says, until understanding enter in our hearts. That's why get understand, with all our getting, we need to get understanding. I think there's a question in the chat room. What does the word submit mean? What would it what would that look like? And that's from Emily. Can I can I answer that, Tim? And I'm going to answer it with a scripture that is before me. And uh, and I, I'll read it. It what it's not one that was read, but it's sim it's it's very similar to one that was read. But it actually deals with that question that the, the question you're asking there. And it's from the Apostle Peter, and it says, "Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your to your own husband, husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives." while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, 
whose adorning, he said, let it not be that of the outward adorning of the plating of the air and of the wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, this is the bit now that um, really I'm coming to him, this verse five, and he gives the comparison. If I want to be righteous, I cannot set my own um, parameter for righteousness. I got to take my pattern from something that's been tested and proven to be righteous that was before me. And this is what he said. For after this manner in the whole times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. And then, the, and then, and then here is this clitch now. Verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And then it goes on. He says, do you want to be, do you want to be in the category of Sarah? He says, whose daughters ye are. But what's the, what's the catch? Even though Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, that's the word we need to ask ourselves. Amazement? Why is the apostle um, Peter telling us that we can be amazed at the request that's been put at us because it's alien to the world that we live. So so, so most Western women are, are, are unsaved women who, who bind to a world system and a worldview. You tell them these kind of things that the apostle Peter is telling here and they would be amazed. But he said, but then, but then it comes to us now who are seeking heaven. We are Sarah's daughter. We are inheriting what Sarah has inherited if we follow Sarah's footstep. And if we follow it, not just, not just like robots, but follow it in a, in a godly way so, so that we, you're, you're not even amazed at the re, at request that's put at you, you know. So, um, so that, that's, that, that, that's, you know, I hope, Emily, that um, in that scripture, sometimes the best thing for me, for us to do is rather than me using my own vocabulary and whatever to explain something, let the scripture speak to us. If there's a scripture that, that explain and expand and explore the thing, let that scripture be the answer for the question that we pose. I hope that the answer that you're asking, you know, even if you didn't get it out of my reading, probably you read it again and you'll probably see it jump out at you and you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we have got another question in the- If I can, oh, can, can, I, take, take, can I speak? Um, yeah, yeah, by all means, go ahead. Take up for the, the same, um, verse 22 um if we look into it really um the world will have a different view of this and they, they wouldn't accept it as it is but it is addressed to the christian household first mm -hmm. of all submission or authority and it's in three ways um wives and husbands 
it involves children and parents. It also involves servants and masters. And if we go from the children point of view, the children uh, having respect for the parents in terms of submission, the, the, um, the servant having respect to the master because they recognize their position and their authority. And it's the same with wives and husbands, the, the wife having respect for the husband. Um, why? Uh, because it says, um, uh, as unto the Lord. So if we look at this, as it says, as unto the Lord, that, that's very important that we, um, uh, a godly uh, wife would submit to a godly husband. And in terms of the, 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 the old thing, uh, it's, it's a comparative clause. But uh, in Greek, there are two different types of comparative clause. Elucidation, which means that wives are to give their husband the same unquestioned, absolute submission as they give to Christ. Um, that, that, that's one of them. And then uh, we have, um, if the, the apostle, um, when he, he said that, um, expect wives to render the same submission um, to an imperfect husband. He's not saying that because if it's to a godly husband, it says to an imperfect um, husband. Would you expect that? That they give to a perfect Lord. They, they can't do that. Yeah, but he was saying it to a godly husband. I have to disagree, Pastor uh, Grant. Yeah. yeah. I have an example from Peter where he uses the example that should Christians submit to just masters that are christians or should they submit to the the word used is i think forward in the king james version not just submitting yourselves actually that's worth looking at mm -hmm. uh, we are to submit to difficult people difficult governments difficult so long as they don't contradict the word of god but there are, but we are unfortunately in situations just like the woman who has a husband who's not saved by the conduct of the wife, and I know personal testimonies from our church how abusive some of the unbelieving husbands were, and the wives did win them over. Yeah, that was something told to me, you know. And uh, I'm sure Peter uses that one. You know, should we only submit to the kind ones, the loving masters, or should we should we also submit to the ones who are? Forward? Yeah. Hello. He actually well, uses. Can I just uh, can I just make a comment quickly? Um, I think I think sometimes. Um, sorry, greetings, everybody. Um, uh, greetings, Pastor. Greetings, greetings. Um, I think I think the word submit also, unfortunately, in particularly this Western world, it has a negative concept. Where where for me, I look at it in the sense of submitting sort of means putting others before yourself, and that's kind of the desires of God. You're putting God before yourself, and if you look at it from that po uh, po uh, point of view. You're putting others before yourself. You're putting God before yourself. So God remains at the top. 
and then you and and then you start to you, you you know you think about yourself and others but that's 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 for me i think sometimes there's like a there's like a a, a, a negative concept with submit but submit sometimes just means for me anyway putting putting others before yourself can, can i make a comment uh, yeah go ahead yeah so um uh, that's a good one uh is it Dwayne? it is yeah yeah I, yeah that's a good that's a good point you're making there and um uh, and that's part of the, our problem that we do find is we draw we tend to draw reference to things that we know um and um and sometimes because we are using those things that we know to draw reference to the we we weaken the idea but when we talk about submit now submit submit the whole is an interesting thing the bible speaks of god as a man of war and the whole scripture language is always to do with war because we are in a war you know, from the day we fell from the grace of God, the war began. And every part of our existence is a war against ourselves, against other people, against the demons, the, the demons that they're to obstruct and to prevent us. You know, so but here is the thing with this submit. And um, and this is why I mentioned war, because the word submit, if we go back and look at it a little bit more carefully, it is coming from the concept of army it's you know you're sub you're, you're in a war you submit to the to the orders of the one giving the command in war yeah and that's the context you know um you, th there's the general you submit to the general you're in war this is our warfare you know and and, and so it's not just respect it's obedience to that person. You know, the person tell you to go. That's why you would get the centurion say to Jesus, I'm a man of authority and I know what authority is. So look, Lord, you just speak the word and the thing will be done. Right? Because he said, I say to one man, come and he come and another go, he go. That's the context that we're talking when we talk about submit. The soldiers don't just respect the soldiers obey obey the command of the general or their superior you know and i use the word superior the word superior is not the same in in marital context so i don't want anybody to get me wrong superior doesn't commit i hear a lot of people talk about superior there's no we're not talking about those those level of, those kind of a narrative there you know i'm talking about rank there in the army you have rank those who are under that, they must submit, otherwise you have chaos, you have anarchy. That's why, you, you, you know, um, that, that's what, fundamentally, that's what it is. You submit to those who have rank over you. And that's the same context, the same language that's been used in, 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 by, the apostle, by the apostles here. You know, just like our warfare, they, we, we're told, you know, uh, the apostle tell us that say as good soldiers endure as good soldier you know because we are soldiers you know and they use the language um that um, that is used um in, in these relationship it's a it's a relationship business and in the in, if you're in the army and in, in what you are in a relationship with your commander and the relationship is that he gives harder you obey you know it's about obedience it's you know and, and out of that with but here's the amazement now the bit that the apostle you shouldn't be amazed 
you must you and you must do it and brother Parham they said you mustn't just obey obey to just obey to just obey God blindly you've done well but you ain't please God because you gotta obey with your spirit as well as the scripture would say it is possible there was a particular king his name was Amaziah and the Bible says Amaziah did everything that was right in the sight of God. He obeyed everything, but he did not get any credit from God because the Bible says he did not do it with a perfect heart. So with whatever we do, when we obey, we got to do it with a perfect heart. I think Brother Paramvir was speaking about it. He said, you don't just obey the good. He said, what profit of you? Anybody can obey somebody who is good to you. You know, but what profit is, and that's what the scripture says, what profit have you done above anybody else when you obey those who are good and kind and merciful and, and benevolent and everything like you haven't done anything to, 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 to prove to God that you are, that you are, you, that, that you have denied, you deny yourself. And this is, and that sometimes this is some of what we are forgetting. There is a denial of self, we're crucifying self because self is full of pride. Whether you be a man or woman, we're full, we're driven, we're groomed and pride and self and ego. And those things must come under subjection. And you know, and we have them to different level and different extent. And all those things must come under subjection if we are gonna be fit to be called as children of God. Could I also add just a little bit to that? Christ is equal, is God, but on earth, he was the son of man, subject to everything, authorities. He was subject to the father, but he didn't exercise his godly divinity, even though he could have done. Because he was a servant, he became a servant. So when, we, when, we are, when Paul is talking about love and submission, he's talking about, in one sense, looking to Christ. In fact, he uses Christ as the model. And we've, I think it's been explained, how far do you take subjection? Paul says, I am the doulos of Christ. I make myself a slave to him. We don't like these words. We don't understand their meaning really. So he tries to explain to us why is such harsh language used? What's the purpose of this? You always have to look to Christ. And if you look at all these scriptures where there's controversies, the bit they miss is the pattern of what Christ did. So husbands, love your wives. Wives, as Christ loves the church. So you see how Christ is the example? Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as the church is subject to Christ. And then when he talks about submission and authority, why we're struggling is because, like Pastor Williams has said, our understanding is coming from the world. It's upside down. So Paul is trying to straighten this understanding in each of these verses. So in Corinthians, he says, I want you to follow me as I also follow Christ. That's the first thing he says in 1 Corinthians 11, where this controversy is coming from. Then he explains that the head of every man is Christ. Verse 3, 1 Corinthians 11.3, the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Can you see the problem? That if you get these things mixed up, which the world has done, we end up with the mess we are in today. We should not be ashamed or troubled by the fact that authority and love and submission is biblical and it must be exercised in this way. 
because the church should be demonstrating what true marriage is, what true love and what true submission is. Now, the problem, of course, is these words are very emotive in the modern world. They, they don't have the same meaning because of slavery and because of this, and they're saying scriptures have been twisted. But here you see Paul making himself a slave. To get to that kind of understanding, you have to look at Christ. Though he was God in the flesh, yet he became a servant. So if you want to look to the world, if, we want to, if I look to the world and I get my examples from them, if I watch these silly programs on, on, and they give me the, the, the image of what I should follow, I'm going to be twisted because that is not the image that God has stamped. The, everything springs from the image of Christ, what he has done, even marriage. You notice in the book of Corinthians, when Paul talks about marriage, he always uses Christ and his commands. If he gives an opinion, you know, he makes it very clear, this is my opinion. So marriage is, is, is very, very serious in the sight of God. And love and submission is the only thing that will tie it together. If we start turning to worldly philosophies, Paul says, we're going to get mixed up. We're going to be tossed to and fro. So that's why in the context in 1 Corinthians 11, should a woman be praying with her head uncovered? Uh, he says in other verses, a woman should keep quiet. A woman should not exercise authority over the man because, because the man was made first and the woman was made for the man. This is what the world hates. This is what they can't stand. But... He makes it clear the head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Now, Christ and God, he says, I and my father are one, but yet he subjects himself. Look at another place. He says, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, bond nor free. There's no slavery in Christ. There's no, well, you know, but there will be confusion. As long as we're in this world, there is rank and order. There has to be rank and order. But the problem I'm seeing is biblical authority is being challenged. Should worldly authority be compared on the same level as biblical authority? What is biblical authority? You know, spiritual authority. This is where the issue is. Spiritual authority. Should a woman exercise, Paul is asking, spiritual authority over a man? So it's not like, what he's saying is God has put everything in order. And he's not saying the woman is less than the man, because that would be saying Christ is not God. Though he was equal to God, yet he became a servant. So as long as we put Christ in the center, we, wouldn't, we should not be having these problems. The problem is, am I truly submitted to Christ? If I'm not submitted to Christ, I'm going to have problems in my own life, in well, my marriage. Let me uh, put the second part um, of what I was saying is term, in terms of the emphasis, uh, which means that wives are to submit to the husband as submission rendered by them truly is submission rendered to Christ himself. So when the wife yields, um, when the wife yields, her husband will do that of her, um, of her husband. Um, she yields to the Lord, provided the husband's directions are in fear of God or in line with the will of God. Now, over in Acts chapter 5, uh, 
all the way from 17, but I, I won't read that all. You know, when um, Paul and the disciples was beaten and they were told uh, not to preach in that name again, the name of Jesus. Uh, and then it was reported because the, the, the high priest and the captains of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them where unto this would grow. So in, in verse 25, and, and then they came one and told them saying, behold the men whom he put in prison and standing in the are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went out the captain with the other officers and brought them uh, without violence, for they feared the people at that time, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that he should not teach in the name, in this name, they didn't say, and behold, he have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter then said, and the other apostles said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And so we see um, that the most important thing is to obey God than men. Now we go back to this slavery thing, and in Ephesians, it does say slaves are to obey their masters, right? But if you go into the, the context of which it was said and the type of slavery that they had in those days, people who are in debt, they would attach themselves to, to the, the person who they're indebted to and become slaves or servants. That's what it meant. But it didn't mean slaves are people who are captured, forced against their will to obey the masters because that is not how it was intended. They were captured, they were kidnapped and, and being made slaves. That, those are not the slaves that should obey the masters. So you gotta take it in the context. So as you were saying, Brother Pramdeer, it is written in the scriptures that women, wives are to obey their husbands, is it not? So the problem with the, the world has with it, because they are not in Christ, so they wouldn't understand it. It seems that's, that's subjugation. So they won't accept it because they are not in Christ. They're, they're outside of Christ. So they will only see it as the world sees it, that no, that can't happen. And a lot of things that we do, they, they go against it. They say it can't happen. See? And, and Pastor T? Yeah. And, and you're so right. Uh, and, and this is and this is sometimes where there are some things that we, we struggle with, and we ought not to really struggle with it, but I go back to my, my very first point that I was trying to drill home. It's called to do with understanding of, of who we are, what the, who God is, what, what God has created, what God's intentions are, you know. And fundamentally, you, you, you know, and you, you, the world can never, Pastor T, as you rightly said, they, it's not, they will not come close to it. They can never understand this thing because even people who are 
in Christ struggle to understand it. So how can the world understand these godly principles? Because they are godly principles, you know. And um, you, you know, so 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 you know, one of the one of the um, the big thing that um, you know we need to understand is everything that God is doing or has done. There is one purpose behind it only. One purpose behind everything that God has done since the fall of Adam. Only one thing. And that is redemption, restoration. Restoration of what was um, when he created the world. Redemption. Now, <laughs> what does... Christ, has, Christ came to, to re, not just to, to restore, regenerate the things that were already existing in a pre-time, but had been broken, had been destroyed. That's, where, that's why we talk about regeneration. What a regeneration. Those words are very fundamental and significant. Regeneration, something that had life, had lost, lost life, had, lo had beauty, had lost beauty, is now being regenerated to its original state of beauty and perfection as it was. So, so here's, the, here's the thing that, that, that we need to understand is that, and, and this is what I tried to explain this thing, you know, and the discussion that we have here, I think we even start the discussion on this subject at the wrong place. We should have gone back right to Genesis because that's where the proper understanding of what God as God did would would help us to um, to really come to terms with where we are today. So, what we got to understand is this: if I am a thief, and that's my transgression, and somebody else is a sex offender, and that's their transgression, somebody else is. Um, is a murderer, and that's their transgression. Those are their fundamental problem that needs to be solved. Whatever makes that man or that woman a murderer, that's their problem. They, whatever makes me a thief, whatever makes me, um, whatever my sin or my crime is, whatever makes me break down as a human being, that's my problem that needs sorting out. Man and woman, have fundamentally different problems at the grassroots level. And, and that's why I say we start this discussion at the wrong place. We need to go back to Genesis because there we see the problem that exists in Adam and the problem that exists in Adam. And according to their problem, so was their punishment. You punish a man according to his crime. You punish, you pun God punished Adam and Eve according to their crime. Their salvation will be dealt with. Their restoration will be dealt with. Uh, you can't deal with, with what is not their problem. They both have unique spiritual deficit in, 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 in the transgression. And they need to be restored. And God placed punishment upon them according to their transgression. 
And that's, God is, we, we usually use the term that God is working out salvation. Well, he isn't really working it out. He has already worked it out, but we are, we are, we are going through that, through the process that God, that, that God has, you know, and, and men who have a problem with God, women who have a problem with God, God is bringing us to bring those problems under subjection. God is bringing us to bring those problems, those, those deviant behavior, those deviant spirit. God is dealing with them, and, and that's why God deals with us in different ways. God does not deal with us all in the same way. We have intrinsic problem and intrinsic differences that needs restoration and resolution, and that God is dealing with in us as individuals. And that's why I'm saying, I mean, that might be a little bit high, 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 but, but that's what I until we go back to, to Genesis and until we begin to bring into the equation and ask, what is this understanding? What is understanding? What is this understanding that I need to have about God? Until we understand the nature of God, you cannot understand why he does what he does. And we'll always grumble with God until we understand who he is and why he's doing what he's doing, you know, um, we will always be grumbling against, against God, you know, and, um, and, and so that's really what, what I'm saying, you know, we, the discussion really as a Genesis beginning, you know, and, um, and, you know, so um, we're in the middle of it, but it really begins at Genesis, but you need to understand what God has done and is doing at Genesis level. And then you'll say, well, isn't that where we go when we talk about marriage? You know, and Je isn't that where Jesus refer back to? You know, he that made them, made them male and female, you know, <laughs> and for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. We go back to Genesis because that's where God has stamped an indelible reference as to the relationship and the nature of men and women. And the apostles are doing nothing more than reiterating, reinforcing, explaining what God did in Genesis and throughout the, the Old Testament. So, so brothers and sisters, let me finish by saying this. I know that a lot of people are shy and afraid, embarrassed, amazed with the Old Testament, but you will never, and I'm gonna be very bold, you will never understand God properly until you understand what he did in the Old Testament and why he did it. Because a lot of us are, we, we scream at God when God um, you, uh, bring about certain what we in our own mindset would call drastic action. Uh, we, we call them um, probably draconian action. And that then we are actually challenging the very God that we are claiming to worship in Jesus Christ. And so that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm bringing back understanding with all you're getting, get understanding, because beyond that, outside of that, we will always be groping with the truth and will never come to a proper understanding of God. Understanding is absolutely fundamental to, 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 to coming to terms and being obedient and to the Almighty God and fulfilling our roles and our purposes that God has divinely intended for us to, to fulfill on this earth. I do agree with you because you, uh, I felt like you were going to start stealing from my notes with regards to this. Um, but uh, before 
because Pramvi has also mentioned the the scripture in First Timothy two at verse twelve. It's like um, you know, and I think that was probably what started the the conversation initially. It was just like um, where uh, Paul tells Timothy. Third interjector. Uh, yeah, Sorry to interject. I think there was a couple of questions and a hand was raised. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say I was going to make light of this, but then move on to to Emily. Um, because I guess yeah, that that main scripture in First um, Timothy verse twelve, uh, two verse twelve was the thing that started this all. But it would me understand uh, beginning to unpack it all. It did lead me to um, it did lead me to to Genesis, but then it also allowed me to get like a balanced view of what God might be doing in the background. But I'll let all the um, the the questions and the hands that were go through. I think Emily was the one that had her hands go up. If she wants to drop that in, if not, we can go to some of the questions in the chat. It's got one there by Bev Burton, if that wasn't highlighted earlier. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i just thinking about, um, for me, it's just, I think about these things um, practically. How do we live this out? Because I think, I think anyone who, like, um, wants to really serve God is happy to accept what the scriptures are saying. Okay, so wives, submit to your husbands, fine. Uh, but I think sometimes we forget to, I mean, my question is, what does it look like for men to love their wives as Christ loves the church? Because as a woman, obviously, I think, okay, and how do we, and do we, as a church, do we believe that scripture? Because I'm thinking if someone's going to be responsible and if someone's going to be ahead, then in what way do we emphasize that in our church settings? So, for example, um, in society, why why is it difficult for women to submit to men? And I think in society, women are taught to be independent, to be mature, you know, to be responsible for themselves and so on. And then you're asking them to submit. But fair enough, Christians, you know, should um, not really follow culture and, and fight against what the culture is saying. But then how do we raise our men? So do we expect them to be mature and for them to take responsibility? And so I think why the difficulty with submission is who are you submitting to and are you willing to submit to that person? Are they, do they fulfill their role? So I think it's a two-way thing. I think the men have the greater responsibility because they've got to love their wives just like Christ loves the church and gives their, his life for the church. And I think that's a great responsibility but I'm not sure whether in my culture and in my church, whether that is emphasized in terms of the responsibility that we put on men to do that. In what way do we teach that? And in what way do we prepare young men to take that role? And I think for me, that's what I see. Um, and I think if we really believe the scripture, that's what we should be, work we should be working on um, raising godly, strong leader, male leaders. I was going to say, can I jump in? Because I do agree with Emily, especially because with the study of of God. But then I do agree that there is this this um, I wouldn't say like this mindset. Um, I think that it was very early on when I, me and Katrina, just recently got married. Um, I'd entered with a group of guys, and um, one of the questions that was asked of me was, have you given all your authority to your wife? 
I was like, sorry, have you done that yet? Have you given all authority to her? Because life will be easier for you. I didn't respond, but that was the mindset that was there. So it's almost like this happy wife, happy life sort of thing of, if you just give it to her, it'll be fine. But then that's kind of like when, um, again, going back to what kind of triggered the, the discussion about um, all of this when looking into um, first Timothy 12, uh, 2 verse 12, where it's like, um, you know, um, when Paul's saying, I forbid women, uh, women to uh, teach and have authority over men, um, some people say that, oh, you know, it's a, a defunct um, piece of scripture. You know, it's it's not for, um, it's for that time period, or like it might have been addressed in Jews and things like that. So, well, um, when looking into it, if I pull it up, uh, Where's it gone now? First, let me see, two, first, twelve, which is down here. Um, yeah, do not a woman, uh, do not permit uh, a woman to teach or exercise authority over him. Rather, she needs, needs to remain quiet because, it, you know, we have Adam was filmed first and um, it was a woman that was a translation of such and such. Um, and uh, it talks about her being saved, even though that's not the root word that necessarily even used there. Should we, um, through childbearing and stuff. But when looking into that, it was just like, if it were for um, for that time, he wouldn't have made reference to Genesis, which is what Alfred mentioned. So it's like, well, where in where do I need to look in in Genesis um, first to to find out where this could possibly have its anchor? But then the second question was because it sounds very similar to what um, Paul is saying in. Ephesians 5, and I think it's in Colossians 2, possibly. Where do we see a, a model or, like, is there anywhere in Scripture where you see um, Jesus having conversation with his church? And do you see the sort of, like, um, the uh, the relationship or sort of, like, the, the dynamics of that relationship um, in those sort of in that sort of discourse and that kind of threw me and it might have been proof texting but it seemed to kind of stick for me was um, revelations 3 where jesus is addressing the um the seven churches and he's like oh you know he would encourage them in the things that they do but then also say that oh you know um you do these things and I'd rather not do it. If you do these things, obviously him being God, he can judge them and things can happen, but he's like warning them that, you know, I'm encouraging you to do these things because it's very, very good for you. I'm pleased with these sorts of things. But then these are the sorts of things I need you to, um, to step away from when in regards to um, like a new progressing forward. And as was going through, it's just like, well, we're looking at the second Adam here. So if I'm comparing the second Adam here to the Adam in Genesis, what are the two differences that I'm not seeing between, or seeing that between the two? You don't see Adam ever try to steer or correct Eve. It's just a case of he shuns the authorities. Well, she, you know, you gave me this woman. It's not a case of, oh, Eve, you know, oh, because obviously we know that um, Christ is the head of the church, the same way that um, men should um, have, I guess, authority over the the 
the household and you know the family and things like that but it's very interesting that even though um you know we try to shun these things in both i guess in the church sort of thing where we know we because there's obviously debates about this being um about you know should you have female um pastors and thoughts of those sorts of things it's like obviously the the scripture there isn't saying that oh you know women can't teach other women or women can't teach children it's just that it upsets the um the, the framework that god had made because obviously when eve sinned who did he go to first he went to adam because he was accountable for eve but he didn't say oh you know what i'm going to try and make things right for eve he's just like no it's all her it's all her you deal with her and so obviously she moved it on to on to um moved it on to serpent and the the thing that kind of stuck with me um in regards to this which is why i think that the the two solid parts for this um is in the title of this um topic with love and submission because if you um go to genesis 3 where jesus is well where god is talking to um to eve i personally believe that because some people think that god cursed adam and eve um if that were the case I would you would see the word oh i curse adam i curse eve we only said that with the serpent but it's when i read it through it's like well they've sinned and they've brought all these things upon themselves so the way i have interpreted that was when he says oh you know um adam you know you're gonna have to tore the ground now it's like this is the effect of what you've done so these are the things you're going to have to deal with he does say that with eve that oh you know i will multiply your um to play pain when it comes to um, rearing children but it also says that your desire will be for your husband but he will rule over you and i know there's some discussions um and some schools of thought um i can't remember what all three of them are um but as to what it means by she will desire her husband but the only way i could read this hermeneutically or exegetically is just because of the word but so say if it's a case where i'll use it in this context reese has spent many, many hours learning how to um, do this very particular form of boxing, but Alfred took him down in one hit. It seems to be this thing of Eve will desire the role of the husband in terms of the authority, despite the fact that um, she's got her own thing to deal with. Because of the sinful state, she will desire that authoritative role but the man will rule over her which is why i think it's like well it sounds like a very ugly thing which i guess is it is when you take christ out so if you have dominion without love it's dictatorship you have it's with it's dictatorship and then if you just like have, in australia right now second sorry just like in australia new zealand canada oh yeah 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 exactly that yeah, exactly that if you if you take love out of um that authoritative state it becomes a dictatorship you don't love that person anymore it's literally like i'm going to impress myself on you and you see it with things like misogyny and those sorts of things in men which is why i think you probably find that a lot of men probably struggle with the the authoritative side i guess i don't know how many people have listened to the um the rise and fall of mars hill but you begin to see how mark driscoll stood almost initially on the oh you know men are the um the head 
uh, wife should submit, but it got very ugly as things got on and it very, became like the woman was um, um, expendable or, you know, she's only there for like sexual interest and should she do that, should do that. If she lets herself go, then there's something wrong. She needs to repent. She might have a demon. He's like, he's completely missed the mark there. It's just the, the fact that he's just like, yeah, if you've got that, um, the authority has to come with love in order for it to work properly. That's how God had set it out. And then with the submission thing, I think that ties in with, with the fact that there is that, there might be that innate desire to have that authority, despite the fact that a woman already has something um, tied to her. Because I guess well, we, we're not unique in the fact that we can bear children, but women are. But the fact that she has that, but then she also desires something else. But the thing that allows that to especially work, especially as Christians, when we're in submission to the spirit, you would want to become submissive. So I think that's kind of where the two tied together. But then when it's taken out of that context or when it's, you know, when you put it in so like 21st century context, it's like, well, this is how we see things out here. And we don't see the beauty of what God might be doing on the inside here. Uh, of scripture so it's just a case of now it's defunct we need to take it out or that's why like the spc last year the two things that we're looking at was how to deal with crt and whether it should have like female pastors and stuff like that so well you could probably test it and say yeah it works fine and you could say like there's scriptures where you have uh, god has raised up um women into authority positions yes he did but it's usually at the um at the ridicule of the men that were there always because something bad had generally happened but the way that God has set it up is that just like Christ is the head of the church and he gave himself up for her. And he, as you can kind of see, it might again might be proof texting, as you can see like in Revelation, this case of, I want you to do well. I'm going to pour myself into, I've already given you everything, but I want you to grow. I don't, I want you to stay away from error. Um, just like Paul says, you know, he doesn't want us to, to be like, to be crude and to have these things that can be tied to us. He wants them to be blameless wants us to be blameless. Um, but then that um, also works with submission, because obviously, as much as we are the church, we are, we are still sinners. It's his um, righteousness that we stand in. It's like I was telling my wife yesterday, it's like, um, in regards to this like, salvation thing, like we have this mentality that justice means that we get salvation as well. No, justice is that we get destroyed, completely destroyed, wrath tossed in hell, but it's grace that means that it's grace that says, despite the fact you very much deserve this, I'm going to lay my life down for you. So I think that when reflecting on that, it kind of allows me to think that, well, I certainly need to step up. So in terms of like, I need to be like the spiritual leader of the home, certainly much more. I need to be pouring into my wife. So when it says like things like, um, oh no, no, women should be silent um, and should go to the husbands. That's not a case of, oh, you know, women talk too much. It's given, the men an opportunity to stand up to be that spiritual leader because if it's a case where it's like oh you know what i'm going to turn to you now it's like oh well actually um i might actually need to do something i understand that god's going to come to me <laughs> if something happens he's not going to he's going to go to my wife eventually but he's going to ask me what's going on the same way that if you're in the workplace and you have uh, you're the manager but you have a, a really uh, an unruly employee they won't go straight to an employer they'll go to you and say what's going on here and what are you going to do to sort it out I think that's the sort of the, the mentality that's going on, or at least what I seem to have um, been able to exegete out in the exposition for for this. But I don't know if everybody else seems to, to have the same 
um, for you, but from, for me looking at that, that seems to be the most balanced way of looking at it. So we can certainly can try and drum into this, oh, you know, wives need to submit, wives need to submit, wives need to submit. And I guess the uh, women can say, oh, you know, husbands need to, to do this. But when, like you've said, when you have Christ as a centerpiece, and then also understanding everything he has done with that in comparison to what Adam has done, something just clicks. It's not, it doesn't seem controversial anymore. It's just a case of, well, I can see the beautiful design behind what God is actually doing here. And should this work in the family unit, how much more would it work in the church unit? So yeah, that's kind of what I've had, but. Well, I can yeah. go, go back to sorry, sis, what Sister Emily was saying. Uh, you know, that, that is, is what the Bible is getting at in terms of the, the fathers must <clears throat> teach the sons. And in uh, the scripture, um, 1 Timothy 2, 12, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp, take over take authority over, that's what it means. The husband, yeah, uh, the man, usurp the authority of the man, but to be silent. But if, if you turn to Titus chapter two and verse four, um, they said that it talks about the aged woman, um, Likewise, that they be in behavior and become as become a holiness, not false accusers, nor given too much wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4 says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. Now, if you go right back to, to work and, and all the ethics of work, even in this country um, through the 30s, and then coming up to the 40s because of the war that women were used to work in factories. The thing is that the husband would go to work and the woman or the wife, let me put it that way, would stay at home, look after the home and look after the children. So in that capacity, they teach their daughters yeah, to love their husband. They teach their daughter to... to um, look after their children. And that was, was, was in line with, with, in terms of authority. So it's always been that going back, as Brother Alfred said, to Genesis, God made the man first. And there was a reason for that. And he gave the man in clear instruction. But the, there was only a man. There was only Adam. Don't know how long for then God saw that he was lonely and decided to make a woman. And, and from then on, we, we see that the instructions in Genesis that God gave to, to, to Adam and gave to Eve. Adam declared she shall be called woman because she was taken out of, out of man. So we can see that the women you know, should teach at home. And in terms of when it says keep silence in the church, women, according to Joel chapter 2, what did Joel say? Your sons and your daughters shall do what? Prophesy. So a woman can prophesy, but they're not to usurp the position. You see, in some families, it says that who wears the trousers in this family? It's a 
colloquial saying, the woman wears the trousers. No, that's not what it ought to be, but it's submission all the way around, mutual submission, mutual respect, but knowing that what God has set in place, even it says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the, the, that transgression. It also says that, yes, she, she was deceived, but then she gave to her husband and he also was deceived. So it's a matter of knowing um, what God intends. And Brother Alfred, you're quite right. Uh, the important factor for us is to read the Bible I bit carefully because we can read it and put in things that are, is not there and jump to assumptions. But we should ask God to reveal, I pray, I read it, but I ask God to reveal the mysteries of the scriptures to me, you know, that I may understand it, to give me wisdom, to give me knowledge and understanding that I may understand it. Yeah, we, we, we've got to get out of this, this thing. Um, we've got to renew, not to conform, that's what the Bible says, to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've got to renew our mind, our thoughts, our train of thought, and not to conform to the norms of the world. So you go out there with a scripture like this, they'll crucify you. The women's rights, what they call, they'll crucify you. They call you um, uh, bigots and all these things for, for him saying that. You, you, you go and say that. And you go and say that. In any talk show, you mention that in that context. You will be crucified. You'll get so much hate mail and things if you're on these Twitters and things. So they cannot accept it because the world cannot accept spiritual things. And possibly? Yes, yes. Uh, but, but, so, sorry to, sorry to, to cut, cut in there, sir, uh, but you, you titillate me a little bit, uh, you know, because I think you're treating the world very bad. That's what I can't do it. But, because, and, and I'm saying that with tongue in cheek, you know, because I, I think even in the church we're struggling. <laughs> so so, so if, if, if we struggle in the world, you don't expect the world to even start a chance. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, 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 and if you like, our young men and young women, They've got some significant challenges because they have been groomed 100% by the world school system and everything like that, M more so than we were. Because I think a lot of our schooling and understanding and, and, and emotional and cultural development was church orientated. You know, there's a generation Absolutely. that has experience. So Emily's got a good point mm -hmm. there when she asks, you know, well, you know, are we having that narrative and that discussion and that? training to help the young men and I'd suggest extremely the young women as well because the two parties are dysfunctional as far as God 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 is concerned you know so the two parties is out of sync with God and need to be brought back in but and how can that be done and you're right Emily the church need to give some priority uh, you know because if this thing break down everything break down you know so the church does need to give some significant priority to teaching instructing you know, um, and ongoing 
ceaseless, unending, you know, um, day in, day out, lie down, wake up, go out, turn to the right. It needs to be going on until it becomes, it becomes an ingrained dogma in our mind how we ought to be men and women towards one another. And then we live out our lives. And you know what? We go back to, to Peter. The women are not amazed. Uh, when they when the world look at them and say you're a fool and they, they, you know they will not be amazed and and as if to say they are doing something out of character it's very much in character but it's in the character of your biblical calling and election so we need to make that calling and election very sure you know so so yeah so i just said that in tongue-in-cheek brother t because because the world the world definitely called it but i think we're struggling in the church as well but we do need to have a significant program, and why as well? Because because the people, even young men, men coming into the church, my age, whatever age, they have been first of all primarily groomed in the world, so they're coming in with they're coming in with rubbish thinking, you know, and you know, then that's why the, the scripture said we must teach teach people. You who have been taught now must teach people, you know, and um, so. Um, you know, preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all things. What are all these things? You know, what, what are all these things that we <coughs> teach, teach people to observe? You know, and 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 why are we why are we given pastors, teachers, bishop, uh, prophets? Um, I won't even bother to say apostles. Don't guess I confuse the, the the thing. You know, but but why are we given those things? Those those ministries um, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the for the perfecting of the of the, of the church of the and the individual until we come to the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. And that perfect man is the one that looks like Christ, thinks like Christ, love, love, love the wife, Sister Emily, and, and, and vice versa, because the woman is in, in, in that, in it, and the woman will love her, will, will, will do the, be, the due benevolence to her husband as the scripture um, re requires, you know, uh, it, to please the Lord. So, so thank you very much, and that's me. <laughs> Somebody blowing their nose. <laughs> Is that you, Sister Bev? Yeah. How does this work out practically? And that's what I always look at. And I just think I think we have to recognize that we we are we are affected by the world that we live in. Um, very much so. And even even the fact that you know our own culture, if we're from a Jamaican culture, it affects how you are. So we need to look at the scriptures, look at who we are, look at the world that we live in, look at how we've been brought up, look at all the messages we're getting and think, okay, what things need to change? So, you know, in the Jamaican culture, the girls do everything. What responsibility is given to the boy? You know, and, and then they've got to grow up and then all of a sudden they've got to be head of a house. They've not been trained to be head of a house in, in many occasions. Many of them don't have a father to look up to and all those things. So I think I think um, we've got to we've got to look at the the world that we live in and say, okay, what do we do as a church to counteract that? Otherwise, it, it's really difficult. And then we look at people and say, oh, you should be able to do this. It's difficult if it's ingrained in you if you've been brought up that way. So it, it's not that people don't love God or don't want to follow God. It's just that this is the way that you are and that transformation has to take part, place. But if we don't acknowledge that a transformation has to take place, we'll just be uh, telling people, 
over and over again this is what it says this is what it says this is what it says but how do you do that how does that what does that look like you know what do I need to change in my practices in my um, attitude for me to uh, meet that scripture so I think you know um, that's how I look at it everything um, for me is what what does that look like what do we need to change in the way that we um, raise our families and and teach in in the church and so on I think um, a lot of, well, um, for me, uh, if you're brought up in a household where your father treats your mom, uh, yeah, uh, um, his um, wife right, then you'll do the same. Most children do the same. If they get good example, good grounding from from their parents, like the father teaching the, 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 the son how to respect women, respect their mother, respect their, their, um, his uh, sisters and others, and the wife teaching their daughters how to respect um, the father, respect their brothers. That starts in the home. And Brother Alfred alluded to when we were growing up, we go to assembly. We, we sing religious song. We hear readings from the Bible. You know, I can still remember, is it uh, our headmaster, one of our first headmasters was Mr. Cunningham, reading uh, from the Bible about um, he heaping live coals on their heads and all that. I remember some of the scriptures, even now, that, that he used to read. So there was a sense of God even in the homes, there was that sense of, uh, of there is a God that, that we worship. But now what we have in our society is it says that there is in a black culture, um, there, there are 53% of the, the children are poor. So they describe it, are poor in, 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 in the, the black um, family. And many of those are child, those boys and those children are growing up without a father figure, right? And we can put this to the society that who they look upon now is those drug dealers, the ones that come, oh, I can give you this, you can earn this. Oh, like my trainers, you can have these gold watches and all these things. So they look upon them. But we know that if as a church, if somebody comes to the church, we know that there a spiritual change. You know, when we are saved, there's something happens to us that we, we see things differently. Well, me, I can tell you, we see things differently because now um, we, we recognize, they're aware of the spirit of God and what we ought to do. That's why it says things we used to do, we don't do it no more. They are good examples. But if after a while you, you continue to see how other men treat their wives, you know, and they, they're in church, some and you look on that as well and you said well why is he treating her that way <clears throat> you know and then it does have an effect on you and yourself and our upbringing so what 
we as men have got to do. Look, if we take it to when I was young, my parents used to take me to Sunday school. And from Sunday school, I went to church and I got saved, what, 15? And then I took all my children to Sunday school as well, the church. But if you look, my um, the, the generation following me, they don't do that. A lot of them don't do that. They prefer to take them to watch a football match or to some sports activity rather than church. So you, you're getting a falling away, if I can use that term, a distancing. So they grow up now to be like the world. And when they come, they've got all this baggage that they've got to get rid of. Finish now. So, Mr. Reese. Yep. Yeah. Can, can I just jump in again? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. Um. Yeah. And Pastor Tia, I hear you. I hear you, and I and I go along with you quite a bit. But, but, but you know, we still have a problem. Even if we brought people to Sunday school and all that, we still have a problem. And the problem is, listen, a problem exists until it's taught how to feel or, or until you are taught a better way to behave or a better way to think and things like that so just coming and presenting yourself you, you know um it doesn't it doesn't work you know um because information needs to go in input example culturing grooming need to go in i don't think we do those things um that, that emily's asking 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 you know we don't do them i you know I, listen i've been going to church as long as anybody here and i ain't seen it anymore I, you know as a matter of fact i'm not even quite sure that we used to see it in our in our days we you know we used to follow example of people but they never told us um they never really told us um the biblical way to treat uh, your wife or you know and i'm not blaming anybody you know here but i'm saying it didn't really happen you know so what i think we need to do now is make a a, a deliberate and intentional move to say, you know what, if we're going to get this thing right, if we're going to honor God in all these areas of marriage and children, we need to put effort in it. And the effort is, the effort is not, the effort is, is, is good need to go in. You know, it's not like, let's say, computer rubbish in, rubbish out. We need to put good things in. And the good things is in the word of God. And we need to keep on putting those in things in. But don't leave it and you're right Pasati. a lot of people now prefer to take their kids to what wherever else as opposed to um, um immersing them in in, in in church but but here's the thing again some will say yeah but when they come to church what's the program for them you know and that's another question so we need to really um put things into p you know we need, we need to really have a proper ongoing robust teaching grooming mentoring whatever we want to call it but but it isn't really happening you know and because if it was then something is wrong because i don't think we're i don't think things is much better 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 today than it was um some time ago you know so i'm, I'm saying that you know you know opacity you, you know you're you're right but there is the, the but there is a big problem that still exists and we're not do we're not doing a fraction of what we should be doing to make the thing uh, um, work, you know. And how do I know that? Well, we just go back to the very old testament, man. And it, it said, he said, 
you know, you shall teach them when they when they wake up in the morning. You shall put it as a as a as a as a, as a mark over their over their eyelids. You write it upon their arm. You, you talk about it when you go out into the workplace. When you come home, when you lie down, when you we don't do those things, you know. And um, and so and so um, bec and because it's not been done in 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 the homes by. Listen, a lot of these young men, myself included, who teach us, who teach us how to conduct an order. I'm a young man now, Sister Emily, I'm a young man. <laughs> who, who teach us to do to do anything? No, we just we just we just pick up little things as we go along, and and if we are clever, we read the scripture and we do let the scripture impact on us, and that is the problem. I wonder how much of our what percentage of our younger generation really read the scripture to make the scripture have an impact on them. You know, and I think those are some of the things that we have to look at. I don't think many, many of our young people read the scripture to make it have an impact on them, emulate it. You know, we, I think we probably spend more of our time questioning the authenticity and the reliability and the trustworthiness and, and the out of dateness of the scripture than anything, than anything else, you know. So, um, so I think we do have a, we do have a, um, a big way to go um pastor t you know we need to have some things in place some real good mentoring teaching discipline from the little from from from, from the, the time of, of, of um um ezra ezra and um and eli from as little as they are and um and micaiah from as little as they are we need to begin to groom them groom them groom them groom them you know and um uh, you know and that's it really yeah so i've got um Sorry, could I? I was going to say, um, Bev sent her um, messages to me that she was trying yeah. to um, trying to drop in, um, but she did say in what Alpha's just said. <laughs> it's a brother Alpha. It's worse now than then, regardless of what you were mentioning. But I think you've touched on that. But the original thing she was trying to say was that um, she said supporting Emily one hundred percent, learning from the way some churches and homes deal slash uh, dealt slash deal with scriptures has caused a lot of um, confusion and problems and um, the no nitty-gritty tackling and talking about situations pertaining to husbands wives and their roles and how to live is not readily seen or lived out taught demonstrated etc um, as a norm so newcomers and even young folks in church do not know understand see or can learn what the scriptures actually mean hence not understanding their roles before and during marriage or life in general. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. And I think, and yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, um, what was one I agree with that. There was a point that I was going to make, but um, also, it, for me personally i know that i'm like not married so but i have a boss i have to submit to i have ministers i submit to i have parents that i submit to why do i do that why do i do that to the best of my knowledge and ability one it's to glorify the main point is to glorify god if you want to glorify god no matter who that person is that you that he expects you to submit to you do it and you know and god knows what you have to go through to be submissive but he's pleased with your efforts, you know, and if it's difficult, he'll be pleased, he'll be more pleased with your efforts, the heart, you know, if it's really, if you find it really, really difficult. So one, it's to glorify God, but two, society's better when we follow 
the way that the word of God is. So there's a benefit for us all if we work hard to put in place all the structures that um, God wants us to put in place. And so, you know, I, I know that we'll talk about other um, topics, which obviously affect me as a female. It may seem like I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm, I'm on the lower rung <laughs> um, compared, to, to, compared to males, but I don't see it that way. I see it as the more we move away from God's ideal, the worse society is getting. And I look at that and I think, okay, you know, people aren't happy. Society is not happy. Children are not happy. Why? Because we've totally destroyed the family structure. And so for me, who cares about my community, I see that it, it's a, um, if you'd put it on a graph, there'll be a correlation between how ungodly the society is getting or the less of God there is in society and the unhappiness of people goes up. And so if I, if I care about my fellow uh, man, actually the solution is go back to the way God wanted everything because that's the way that works best. So I think, um, and that's how I try and encourage um, people that God's way is the best way. It's definitely the best way. I have to live it and I'm glad that I live it and I just want the best for you. And so it's not just, oh, husband, submit, you know, love your wives, wives, you need to submit because that's the way it is. It's, you will be better off if you both play your part. Your families will be better off if you both play your part. But both parties have to play their part. And I think that's where it breaks down, where yeah. one's trying to do it, but the other one doesn't. Yeah. So we need to encourage both. Yeah. Amen. Could I interject if that's okay? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I wanted really just to say something about extremes. We get into trouble when we hit some of the extremes, yeah? So let me give you an example. Pastor Gino Jennings, in his church, the women can't even prophesy. They can't speak in tongues. You see what I mean? When you take scripture out of context, then you've got the other extreme, which we talked about most of the time, but there's the opposite extreme, which is where people do uh, take scriptures out of context. You have a whole movement called the Brethren Movement where this was kind of going on. So Paul, I believe Paul envisioned these kinds of difficulties that people would have in interpreting his scriptures. I don't think he was not unaware of how his scriptures could be misconstrued and misinterpreted, but what did he do? He just carried on preaching the gospel. You don't worry about that. You just do what God says. It's his word. Now, the problem we've had, maybe in the church of God of prophecy is, is perhaps we were given some traditions alongside. Some of them may have not been checked, but then they went later and checked it and realized, oh, maybe we didn't, we should have looked in the word of God. So my advice to you is don't just go blindly into a church and think, you know, this is how things run by the, we learn by seeing and patterns. Yeah, that's not, that's okay. But it's the, the, our Christian, we have the Holy Spirit of God. God's law is written inside of our hearts and minds. We have the ministers, the church of God. Yeah. But that in itself, Paul still says is not enough for maturity because we may be still tossed to and fro. One minute you're listening to what's her name? Uh, the one on uh, one of these TV evangelists. Joyce Meyer, yeah? Mm. Next minute, you're going to T.D. Jakes. Mm. And so forth, yeah? All kinds of people saying, and then you go to 
Charles Stanley or whatever, yeah? I, don't, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be standing on the word of God, myself, and understanding. If you have, like, the flavor of the month of Jabez prayer, the Daniel fast, these nonsenses that are going on, you don't need that. Because the, and, and, and in telling the, we, we are not here to teach the world the principles of God because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He will rebuke the, he will judge the world. He will reprove them. You can't do that. I can't do it, reprove the world. But what are we supposed to do? Forget about everything. Forget their foolishness. Just preach the gospel. Now, that, that's going to be our next set of lessons, I hope, our discussions. Preaching the gospel regardless. Forget this nonsense. We should be by high time. 40 years in the Church of God of Prophecy, high time we start preaching the gospel and not letting the world call the shots. And that's where we've ended up, unfortunately, sometimes. But let's rise, I pray, you know, that we as brothers can, and sisters can arise above these foolish nonsenses of what the world is discussing. We should be discussing how to preach the gospel, how to face the challenges. Have we really got a grip on the gospel? Uh, well... I'm not sure if it's just me, but I guess we're finding it's quite apparent that we've only just scraped the tip of the iceberg on this one. I think I'd be doing it a disservice if we were to just move on to something completely different. Because um, this topic has unearthed a lot that I hadn't anticipated. But I do feel like God needs to to work on the problems that might have been unearthed in this area so um, in light of our next episode it is quite it is worth looking into in light of how we see this episode and this topic uh, we will certainly be looking at breaking this down between how God wants us as men to be in a biblical manner but then also the same with women but I think it's probably going to be best to split the two and focus on each gender individually. It has certainly, as you probably heard, been rather impactful for myself and it's certainly going to continue working in the background between me and my wife as we try to enhance our marriage and to get it to fit more in the framework of what God intends because at the end of the day as much as we love each other we are still sinners we, we do miss the mark with a lot of things and I owe it to not only to my wife but also to God to if I want to see the, the best fruits come from our relationship and I certainly in terms of trying to push towards the model that Christ has set for me and the responsibility I have in order to to govern our family you can't just stop here so I do ask that you continue to well, not only pray for us but journey with us as we try to help each other as in comparison to the topics we've discussed up until this point there seems to be a lot of problems that need to need to be dealt with and a lot of souls that we need to journey with to sort out their problems and if there are any more things like this or any questions or 
any thoughts by all means you can ping them through on our Instagram page um, we can pick it up from there and we can certainly try and or we can um, you know, if you ping it through to there we can invite you on to see if we can try and push it forward I totally desire that the same like I've mentioned before I, God has spoken on all things and we have his word which allows us to be able to find those answers but then also to to glorify him when we find those answers so although that this podcast isn't necessarily a church um, it might be a place where we can at least try and get the ball rolling and in the right direction to be able to help whoever is listening um, yeah, I think this is the first episode where I'll actually come away thinking that the uh, we haven't quite dealt with everything completely. So I think it might be a case of revisiting this until eventually we can say that we're on the right path. If you have any other ideas or questions or problems, as weird or controversial or as um, taboo as they might be by all means send them through I think touching on these things will help free us and you know God is waiting to, to set us free and it's only when we understand his truth and we unpack it and it impacts our lives that we are truly free truly truly free so I do hope that you can join us on the next episode um, as we do focus on whether we have lost grip of the gospel and whether that has certainly affected how we've navigated this conversation but then also how it can deal with things on a wider basis but then also by all means we're going to be or at least I'm going to myself try and aim to make sure that this does not grow cold and we just move on I um, personally feel like I'm tasked to show that theology can be practical because God has spoken on all things and these are the things he wants to work in if yeah, if Mars Hill is anything to go by nothing is too big nothing is too weird or too crazy for God to work mysteriously through it all so I hope that he's using this venue or this platform I should say as a as a means to to do so. Uh, so you continue to to pray for us, pray with us as we pray for all those who are listening that we do uh, impact lives in the best way we can, and that we are able to allow God's will to to be the way it is here on earth as it is in heaven. And until the next one, I guess um, you guys take care and God bless.